and welcome to Fantastic Comic Fan. I am your host, R.T. Fleming, and it is my mission to help you find your next digital comic book pick from the golden age to now. I have been reading comic books for over 40 years and have never lost my passion for comic books. Something I try to pass on to old and new readers. It's Thursday. August 18th, 2022, and this is episode 60 of the podcast. The regular listeners know, you never know what to expect from each episode. You never know what it's going to be about for the topic. And one of the mandates for the podcast is that it's a short form. So most episodes are 30 minutes or less. This is because there are so many fantastic podcasts out there. I believe people are more apt to listen to smaller bite-sized episodes than a longer one. Another thing I try to do is bring on creators to talk about fantastic comics, like today's guest, Chris Fisk, who talks about his Infinite Tales Chronicles. What started as a role-playing game in the 1990s has now been adapted to a graphic novel. The series itself spans the history of two worlds torn asunder by a cataclysmic war. The War of the Trees saga is an introduction to the otherworldly Alivar people and their struggle to free themselves from the cruel tyranny of an oppressive gods. I think this particular episode is great because it's a perfect example of how comics continue to expand and change in ways that I think will surprise both new and old fans. If you like this podcast and the short form and the ever-changing topics, please spread the word. Recommend it to other comic fans. Follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram. I want the podcast to grow and introduce fans to a different way of covering comic books, both new and old. Now on to today's podcast. Welcome back to the Fantastic Comic Fan Podcast. Again, I have another guest. This time around, I have Chris Fisk, who has a series called Infantile Chronicles and his own media company, Chris Fisk Media. And I can't believe I actually said that without stuttering or messing up. Chris, I usually ask my first time guest to come in Talk about the comic book origins, how they got the comic books, how they became a lifelong fan. So tell us your origin story. Sure. I was a dumb kid, severely dyslexic. Literacy was not something that was in my grasp until about, I'd say about 13 years old, where one of my friends took me to this uh, thing at the local library called the Fantasy Club. And back in the 80s, 90s, that was a little different than it is today. Basically, uh, it was a Dungeons and Dragons club that was full of high schoolers, kids older than me kids my age. And uh, yeah, I, I could definitely attribute Dungeons and Dragons to my literacy. <laughs> the librarian uh, ended up holding these contests for the uh, games that were being held there. Uh, all the community kids could participate. One of them was, you know, take notes, chronicle the, the adventures, and then we could kind of uh, make money off of selling the uh, newsletters or whatever for club fees. And because I was a bit of an artist, I also illustrated those. And uh, they got pretty popular with the, with the group. And then eventually I got bit by the I can do that too bug. And uh, so I started trying to make my own game. And uh, yeah, I realized how hard it was. <laughs> so, Wait, so uh, easy. You, yeah, yeah so I can do that. No, you can't. <laughs> After the, the uh, reality hammer you know, hit me a few hundred times, uh, you know, it, it helped that I had about eight years of beta testing with the, uh, the local guinea, uh, with the local kids <laughs> to... <laughs> to uh, test out our rules. And, you know, I'll tell you right off the bat, I mean, the best, your best sources of feedback are definitely people who have no, no qualms about telling you how garbage some of your stuff is. 
because your friends won't be good sources of feedback when they try to spare your feelings. Absolutely not. You're right. <laughs> you, get, you get the honesty of a 10-year-old who's like, who designed this? They should be publicly beaten. You know? <laughs> yeah, they, they don't hold back at all. <laughs> that, that's what got me into to, uh, reading and writing and kind of the, the, the wonderful world of uh, fantasy uh, fiction. And, you know, this was long before the age of the internet. I basically plumbed the depths of the Pelham Public Library where I grew up and utilized all of those books as my, uh, my source material. Gravitated toward uh, uh, the Walsung Saga, which was the, uh, the Eddas of, uh, was it Snorri Storlson from Iceland? Okay. Uh, you know, the Vikings, all that stuff. I also uh, really loved uh, the Welsh uh, mythology, the, uh, the Irish, the, the ancient Hiberian mythology. Even the Finnish stuff, like the Kalevala, like the, that, that stuff is really sounds really obscure. But I mean, that's basically like Tolkien, like ripped off all of like the, the Anglo-Saxon stuff. And I thought rather than being like Dungeons and Dragons or Warcraft or all these other things that have come after Tolkien, who basically copied a copy, why don't I just go for the original stuff? So I, I grabbed that. And, you know, if you're going to steal something, make sure it's not something everybody knows about. <laughs> that's true. Yes. And make sure you can do something that's viable that people actually will buy. But no, uh, going back to you, Chris. So before we talk about the actual comic book, uh, what else do you do in life besides be a creator? That's a tough one because uh, I, I spent about a decade working in the video game industry as a game designer. After I realized how uh, unstable that was, you know, when your, your job no, really? were... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Creative industries are not a are not a good pursuit if you want stability or anything more than tenuous uh, career prospects. I, I was fortunate enough to actually leverage what I learned in uh, UI UX design uh, in the video game industry to uh, move into web development, cybersecurity stuff like that. So uh, I've I've definitely transitioned to a a, a kind of a more I don't want to say viable, but a, definitely a more stable environment from the, the creative hey we just made a game and you've worked nine months straight without seeing the light of day and oh by the way the game didn't perform well so you're all laid off Yay! yay so your infant tale chronicles before we again talk about that what made you get into creating your own comic book stuff after all this time i i originally went when i started with with the the game element the tabletop role-playing game I was, I was thinking of self-publishing that, and I was looking into crowdfunding, you know, Kickstarter, Indiegogo, all the, uh, you know, the usual suspects. And I thought, well, you know, as, as I look around, you know, the, the viability of tabletop role-playing games isn't exactly at its peak like it was in the 90s when I first developed this thing. You know, no, if nobody knows it, you know, it's got so, many, so much competition now these days, you know, thanks to technology and making things more accessible to people. We're now looking at basically uh, self-publishing as a, as a viable means for anybody. You know, we don't need to rely on these heavy publishers. No, you're right. And because you're right. Because I, I've talked to a lot of indie people who, you know, I've asked them you know, back and forth, you know, have you decided to do, you know, why did you decide to, to publish your own stuff versus doing GoFundMe and, and the creators involved? And I have told people in, in previous podcasts and, and stuff that I believe we're actually in a new golden age of comic books because there's so much out there for all genres, all ages, anybody and everyone can find a comic book that they can read. The only problem is making sure a comic book gets noticed because there's so much out there. It's hard to rise above and shine. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I, I feel like I'm, uh, you know, shouting underwater at times. When I was looking into the, the game development stuff, I had all this idea, you know, like, like the whole idea was, 
I, I saw what Dungeons and Dragons was. I really enjoyed it, but you know, everybody gets hit with the the armchair general, the armchair crit critic, or whatever. And I was like, well, rather than just kind of hacking apart somebody else's creation, why don't I just make my own? And that's kind of where the birth of Infinitale came from. Is that it's a portmanteau of infinite and tale. You know, kind of like the old EverQuest. You know, it's, yes. It's, when when building tabletop games, you know, it's it's nice to have that episodic approach, but it's also nice to have a continuance, something that can go on forever, essentially, if you wanted to. What we did was play, playing with my uh, my uh, groups of uh, testers. We uh, we looked at well, well, what exactly would this bring to the table that doesn't already exist? You know, like why would we want to make another Dungeons and Dragons? It's already there. You know, hell, we've got Rifts, we've got all the Palladium game systems, we've got uh, Lord of the Rings, we've got Pathfinder. You know, what would Infinitale do differently? And what and, do uh, they do differently? So rather than approaching it from the miniatures perspective, we're approaching it from the storytelling perspective, where with modules, they're very, uh, in video game terms, we, we use the term railroading versus uh, sandboxing. Yes. Almost all tabletop games should be, in theory, because you're using your brain and your imagination, should be sandboxy. They should be, you know, infinite possibilities, all at the, the limitations of your dungeon master or your storyteller or your, what I call the narrator. Unfortunately, you look at a module and you get somebody who's like a rules lawyer who comes in and beforehand they, they metagame. And they've already read the module. They already know what's going to happen. You know, it's like it's like reading a nice mystery novel and already knowing who the suspect is. Right. And now you're now you're pretending, or you know, you're pretending. Oh, I don't know that it's uh, it's really you know Justice Wargrave who killed everybody. You, you know, right. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was Professor Plum who did a candlestick in the library. Yes, we already. <laughs> Infinite Tales is a comic book and a game. How long has Infinite Tales as a comic book been going on? And, and tell us, tell the listeners exactly what the story is about, some of the characters, and a little more background about the the, the storylines. Sure. So a, a lot of the, uh, the the story's inspirations are based off of Welsh, Irish, uh, and Hibernian, and uh, uh, various Scandinavian myths. This is why it's called Infinitale Chronicles, is because these are the chronicled adventures of the Infinitale role-playing game system that was started back in the 90s. And it's kind of a proof of concept to see if there's a viability of t being able to tell a story with the story creation tool. Because Infinitale is, after all, it's a combination of collaborative storytelling and improvisation. And you're all, you know, you're building a story. It's like, like that old Navy commercial with Keith David. Somebody told a story about your life. Would anybody right. want to read it? So, so you know, it's, it's that. So these are the chronicled adventures of, of an actual story that or an adventure that was created the Infinitale uh, role-playing game system. And what, what makes these comics unique is that they're, they're actually the historical primer that I'm, I'm looking forward to. We have a 10-book series plan. Uh, so obviously, we've got just book one here. Yes. Um, and we're, we're calling them sagas. So we have a 10-book series saga called The War of the Trees, or Cadgatho in Welsh. And uh, this is basically a kind of intro or prologue into the game's world itself, because Part of the, uh, the, the the story system is that unlike you know when you're playing Dungeons and Dragons and you're like oh I'm in uh, I'm in Icewind Dale or I'm in uh, Waterdeep and I know that this is where Elminster lives or you know or, or uh, Kelvin Blackstaff you know you know it's more of a now it's your world it's you know it's your story afterwards here's the history here's all the Lego pieces now build something fun with them. And uh, yeah, we're hoping that that functions as a good uh, historical primer where we're providing context or kind of a 
an entry into this world, kind of like how the Warcraft games gave right. players that context, that context before going into World of Warcraft. So, so Infinite Tales is your creation, lock, stock, and barrel, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. And how long has the game been going on? Well, the game started in 1990, and I believe it ended in uh, somewhere around the early 2000s. And these were just all the compiled notes. You know, I saw the story, put it together, thought, well, I could make a novel. I could try to make video games. I could try to make, uh, I don't know, a, an animated series, something. Because uh, that's where a lot of these inspirations came from as well. You know, being a kid of the 80s and 90s, I grew up with like the Saturday morning cartoons and the, the what I prefer to call it when anime was good. So with that said, though, I, I looked at the financial undertaking and thought, you know, I rather than writing a big, you know, here's a big bunch of prose. Here's a big novel. Why don't I make it a little more accessible to, to people? Let's make let's make it a graphic novel, a series, or or a graphic novel. And, and each one like, is wow. self-contained. I wouldn't say so, mainly because uh, you know there is a bit of a, a lead-in into the next. Like there are resolutions throughout the story, or throughout each book. Right. But I wouldn't. It, it is one big continuous uh, contiguous story from uh, book one through ten. The artist Antonio. Tell us a little bit about the artist. And you did some of the art yourself, correct? How good of an artist are you? Unfortunately, my, my art days are kind of limited now. I ended up getting some nerve damage in both hands. So Oh, I, I don't want to hear those excuses. Man, all you creators <laughs> just want to whine. Jeez. <laughs> use, some, use my teeth. Put some, put some uh, you know, lint, you know, put some Ben Gay on it. Wrap it up in a bandage. You'll be fine. <laughs> good. Yeah. All right. Walk it off, soldier. <laughs> exactly. Walk it off. So... Obviously, Antonio is doing it. Who is Antonio? Is he, is he is he somebody I should know? First off, oh uh, yeah, he's he's a I, I I've seen his work across uh, several indie books. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have the names off the top of my head. I know I, I added in the credits on our website and in the uh, Indiegogo campaign page. Uh, but uh, Antonio was actually uh, originally. So I reached out because my initial uh, approach to comics was I don't want to do this alone I do, this is my bet you know the trouble with first impressions is you only get one so I want to make sure I, I, I do this right so I reached out to a company called high concept media properties or HCMP it's it's run by this guy Zen and Zen uh, helped kind of he, he's been my producer he's basically wrangled the artists and said hey I've got a couple of people that are looking for work that uh, can do this what do you think you think this is a good fit for your project? Yes or no? And then we we kind of negotiated, and bam, that's how we got Antonio. I, I wanted to make it again best best thing possible right out the gate. You know, try to give as few <laughs> few excuses not to to read a book as possible. What so, nationality uh, is Antonio, and where is he based at? I believe he is in Portugal. Does so he speak English? I I have received emails in English, but I'm not entirely sure if that wasn't uh, Google assisted. Uh, so you also got color colorists. Mm -hmm. Did you ever think about doing the black and white route for for a uh, cost per, for cost advantages? Or yeah, were you I mean, set on color. Well, I mean, we live in a world of color, and color is a very powerful visual language. You know, you can really use it uh, to to hammer home points. I, I know that uh, black and white was initially something that I was thinking about, like you said, for cost effectiveness. You know, when, when you're looking at you know, I kind of want to make this the best thing I can. I, I definitely kind of went for the color early on. So it was because the, it was, the, 
the color is really, your colors are really good. They really add atmosphere and almost like a sub character to the story itself. You got very lucky with, with your, with, with your whole art team. It's really a fantastic book. When did Infant Tale number one come out? So we, we launched the Indiegogo campaign back in September of 2021. And uh, it lasted for about 60 days. And then in November of that same year, put it out there and got it into as many people's hands as possible. It's still on demand, by the way. <laughs> we got Good. like 30 books left. Good. Awesome. Are, are any of the issues available as a digital download? Uh, yes. Uh, okay. the, the campaign still offers both a PDF digital download option or the physical box or physical uh, copy. And I would definitely go for the physical because, man, I, I, I took some game development uh, stuff with me with that, threw in a nice collector's box, you know, yeah, something that will facilitate collecting the entire series into a nice little medieval-esque tome. Have you done anything with comicsology or not? I was considering it, but I've heard some uh, interesting, uh, basically uh, asking around some people had some very bad uh, experiences with it, especially in the uh, payment uh, uh, yeah. section where they're like, you know, they're like that kid from Better Off Dead. I yes. want my two dollars. <laughs> so when is the next, when is your next comic going to come out? Do you have any idea? Well, we're, we're currently in uh, well into the uh, full swing of uh, production for book two. I'm hoping we'll have it by the end of this year, but can't say for sure because, you know, all sorts of uh, unforeseen things happen. Do you have in the future, is there any other type of project you might think about doing? I'm hoping that when we get the, the saga, the, you know, the 10 book series out, either we go into the next saga or we actually go into the production of the game itself, the tabletop. Uh, um, and I got, my, I got myself a uh, 3D printer and uh, a pretty professional level, uh, professional level uh, normal printer. So I was able to do a lot of nice proof, proofs of concept. You know, that definitely helps with production when you can hand something to the people you want to manufacture and say, replicate this, please. <laughs> exactly. Totally agree. Uh, I really liked your first book. It was very oh, cool. Very different. The whole thing just really gelled together between the artist and the colorist. And even the letterer makes it really stand out. So it was all pretty much a package deal, correct? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Zen did the, uh, the lettering. And uh, Elzir Elvis uh, did most of the coloring. Basically, I kind of jumped in as a pinch hitter. <laughs> and uh, we, we had an initial colorist. He had other engagements. So, so that's, why, that's why you had two colorists listed on your credits? Yep. Chris Fisk Media is basically your, the game that you're doing and the Infant Tale Chronicles comic books, correct? Yes, correct. Before I wrap things up, what else do you want to say? Because I think I covered pretty much, I think it's a really cool concept because you, I don't think I've ever heard of a comic book that takes comic book and combines it with a role-playing type thing. I don't think there's anything out there really like that. You know what I mean? Cool. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's, it, like I said, it, it, I'm hoping that the, uh, the books acting as like a historical primer, you know, provide a, enough of a kind of an invitation to uh, interested uh, members of the audience to say, you know, I've read about that world. I know about that world. Now I want to play it. I want to make my own mark on that world. Uh, well, thanks for having me. This is, no, this is a very unique um, guest spot. I was really, really cool about it. This is great. So I appreciate you making the time. Yes. Great. Well, well, again, I appreciate you having me. This is awesome. Okay. I'm going to wrap this up. Chris, you are welcome to come back again to talk about comic books or things in general. 
I'm going to let you go. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. (laughs) Thank you. Well, that's it for today's podcast. Again, I would love to hear from you, fantastic comic fan at gmail.com. Remember, new episodes every Wednesday. Thanks so much for listening to this episode, and I hope to see you next time.